0: In the corporate world, inclusion is about creating a workplace that nurtures a sense of belonging and psychological safety where all people can do their best work. Unfortunately, according to a 2020 McKinsey report, almost half of the survey respondents did not feel very included in their organization. That same report found that most employees, regardless of gender, generation, race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation, said they encountered barriers to a sense of inclusion. I'm Greg Pryor from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, we're talking about how inclusion fuels innovation and how truly successful companies cultivate a sense of belonging in the workplace. It's a conversation I started with my good friend, Franz Johansson, recently at Workday's first CHRO Connect. Franz is the CEO of the Medici Group and the author of The Medici Effect. I'm lucky to have Franz back with me today to share some insights and continue the conversation we started a few weeks ago. Welcome, Franz.
1: Thank you so much, Greg. I'm excited to be uh, talking to you again.
0: Well, so grateful for your participation in our last event. And thanks for giving us the opportunity to maybe not only extend our conversation, but also expand uh, expand our audience with today's session. So grateful. Absolutely. So let's do this. Let's do what we actually did in the session last time. Could you maybe start with a bit of your background? How did you get into the diversity and inclusion work? And, and I know that your upbringing, your personal life sort of called you to this work. Could you give us a Little sense of that?
1: Yeah, you know, somebody asked me at one point, "What what made you write the Medici Effect?" Which was the book that sort of kicked off this whole pathway in my life of, of diversity and inclusion, driving innovation. And I and I said, you know, frankly, my whole life has really led me up to that point of writing that book. I was born in a very diverse environment, if you will. I as in my family, my my mother is is American and she's Black and Cherokee. My dad is Swedish. I grew up in Sweden in a town where basically everybody looked more or less the same. And I got to see really see the power of what happened when people were able to sort of build upon each other's different ideas. This stuck with me for a very long time. I saw the same thing play out in in my studies in college and then in work across industries, across fields. And so the Medici Effect was the book I wrote where I integrated all of these ideas into one, which is that diversity of any kind Uh, and inclusion of that diversity is the core driver of innovation, really the core driver of innovation. And I did it really from an innovation perspective. That was my take on it. I was really focused on solving this innovation uh, dilemma that every team, every company is facing today. And then something interesting happened. I met a person who worked very deeply in the diversity field at that time on Wall Street. And we realized that, well, these two things really, really, really connect. We could tell a combined story from a corporate context of how does diversity and inclusion in a corporation help drive innovation no matter where you sit, marketing, supply chain, wherever, leadership, CEO. And there is a massive need to understand that. And mm. that's basically what's the journey from how I grew up to Sweden and I came here.
0: Yeah. So it's been a life. I mean, really a, a, a life journey up to this point. So I am a huge fan and you were kind enough to share at our event, uh, the Medici inclusion model. I, I was first introduced to it back when we met at the Great Place to Work yes. conference. Our, our good friend Michael Bush introduced us and, and I was, I have to say, just really blown away, really impacted by that as a as a way to think about things. I know typically you presented that before with the benefit of slides and visuals, and I know we don't have those in today's audio-only podcast, but could you share some of the ideas and concepts
1: behind that for- Yeah, I mean, there's so much that's baked into to the inclusion model. And so it's it turned out to be a very, very powerful tool to help people understand and leaders and teams understand exactly how does diversity and inclusion drive performance, drive innovation? So at its heart, It is this idea that if you have a team and you're looking to add somebody to that team, the way we think about that problem today often is, well, we have to look at that person basically in isolation. You know, who is more experienced? Who has more expertise? And if it's uh, this person, then we're going to pick this particular person. But but in reality, what the team should be looking for is who is it that can add to what it is that we're doing? How can we sort of expand the box that we're already operating in? And it's not always the person that has the seemingly most experience and expertise the way you have traditionally defined it. And this is a person that we call Louise. This is a person that comes in that is a bit outside of the norm for the team already in place. And as such, Louise is able to help this team expand the box of opportunities. Now, that becomes a sort of a key piece of understanding why diversity matters, but then there's the second half of this, which is just because the Louise is there does not mean that the team will accept who Louise is or what she's contributing. And in fact, they could have invited her. They could have eagerly have invited Louise. And yet the actions, the decisions, what really matters in the discussion means that she's effectively shut out. And often, actually, she would leave in a situation like that. But even if she doesn't, it is as if that perspective really isn't there. Or even worse, Louise understands that this is happening, and so she starts to adjust who she is, and visually you can think of it as the representation of she is is just shrinking, 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 leaving all those pieces that sort of makes up who she is behind. She doesn't bring him to work. And effectively, it is that she has squeezed herself into this original box that the team operated under. Again, the team... Here doesn't really benefit from Louise's diverse perspective. And Louise certainly does not feel a sense of psychological safety or belonging or that she's bringing her true self to work. So, you really just missed opportunities all around. And when I use this model to describe the question of diversity and inclusion for teams, it has turned into just such a powerful way of understanding it because it enables anyone really to very quickly grasp the core pieces of this equation. And then they have to say, what do I need? Do I need more diversity? If I have it, how can I create inclusion and belonging?
0: Yeah, big fan, you you were kind enough as well to share that at Workday's Vibe Week, a week that we committed to helping value inclusion, belonging and equity. And so, so many of us at Workday talk about the Louise example. I love the way it personalizes things to say, gosh, I might have a different person uh, in this context, but." But it really gets to, you know, some of the things we see in this human identity theory. We have these two very powerful needs, one to be different and to bring our diversity and the other to fit in. And yes. unfortunately, this is the way our brains work. I just love when I think about that, personalizing it to Louise. Am I creating this space for Louise or, or Larry or, or, you know, whoever that may right. be? To, to bring their best self, but also feel included and feel connected, this idea of belonging. I think you were obviously way, way ahead of your time, but this is so crazy powerful. Just
1: picking up what you said there, Greg, basically, if we can't get that piece right, then we can't understand the power of diversity. Because here's the here's the truth. <laughs> there are teams that have good inclusion and a strong sense of belonging, That are not diverse, so like homogeneous. Like the reason we're talking about inclusion and belonging to begin with is linked to diversity because it is much easier, although not a gimme, but it's much easier to do that with teams where people are very much similar. You know, I I like to describe the decision-making process for a team like that as very different from the decision-making process of a diverse team. You know, a homogeneous team, people kind of look around and go, "Like, have we discussed this enough? Are we good?" And you can kind of get the feeling, "Yeah." Yeah, we're all kind of good, and and the team sort of arrives at that at a at an intuitive moment in time where it's like, whoa, yeah, that's that's right. With a diverse team, you know, conversation can keep on going for quite some time. Maybe it shouldn't, but but that that's the piece where if it's inclusive, if it's inclusive. So I'm curious. You talk about this from how it resonates at workday. What is it that you've seen that's been powerful in this at at workday or or with some of the customers that you have?
0: I think it's exactly as you've talked about, which is, it's that balance. It's that balance and you need social cohesion. You need people to feel like we're following common purpose. Like you, you've got that sense of, of connection and at the same time, you need diverse perspective. And I think at least from where I sit, I'd love to hear examples from you. That edge is where innovation happens. Yes. Where you've got the psychological safety. As I talk to our customers and I think about it at Workday, we have both a social cohesion where we have each other's back, where we feel supported and we feel that so much so that people feel comfortable to introduce a new idea, to
1: take a risk.
0: But I'd love to hear maybe some examples, because I think that's the fertile ground for, for well, innovation. Is that edge?
1: Yeah, it is. Our basic belief that with our product that we call Renaissance, we really help teams become exceptionally high-performing, innovative, and able to sort of deliver on their, on their milestones through the explicit use of diversity and inclusion. This is the thing that is... Very different, most teams don't have those tools in their tool bag. And you can start seeing how it play out in business results. So with one one customer, this person's team was very not diverse. Let's just be clear. Okay, it had (laughs) (laughs) pretty much one gender, one race, white and male. And it was an explicit desire for this customer, for this leader, that they wanted a diverse team and they wanted it because they needed to really achieve a new set of milestones. But the idea was still fairly abstract. Like how does that play out in practice? Well, the first thing was, how do you quickly try to get diversified team like that? I mean, some choices may have to do with the new people that you bring in, and you have to be diligent about that, but it was got very, really creative. You know, it was like, in some cases, could we create dotted line relationship with, with people in another part of the company to sort of, they could be part of certain meetings of ours, part of a certain cadence. And in doing so, they started seeing the difference in results very quickly, which is a question of putting more people of diversity on the team, more women, more people of color and internationally, and then creating dotted line relationships to further enhance that. And, you know, within six months, that team looked completely different. It went really from five people to eight, and there had been some replacement. Now, what was the outcome of that? Growth in sales at 60%, far higher than had been expected. They had one international site before this started. This is a media company. Within two years, I think it was 18 months or two years, they had 12. All kinds of awards, stories, digital print, that they hadn't received either ever or in years and years and years. Where did those stories come from, those story ideas? They were coming from a team that was looking at things from a very diverse perspective. It was quite remarkable that over those course of the two years, this team asked the leader to put together a list of things that he believed this team were able to accomplish that they wouldn't have necessarily accomplished without the additional diversity. In other words, the past team. And that list went on for pages. Mm. now once you have that my god like why wouldn't you want more of it but it does require inclusion and belonging it does require the people that are part of that team feels that they can contribute and feels as they're part of the solution
0: yeah absolutely so let me ask you last summer's social justice protests really put a fine point on, on a topic we've been working on for so long. And candidly, I mean, we, we talked about it in this in our CHRO Connect event that, candidly, our outcomes that we've had for so long have not met our intentions. We've had these intentions, we've had these aspirations, but we've really not moved the meter in a meaningful way. People I talk to suggest that we're at an inflection point, we're at a tipping point. There's a different energy in today's world than may have been before this last summer what what are you seeing how are you seeing people moving where they're going to make impact here where they're going to create a sense of belonging? or am i not reading the tea leaves is, is...
1: no i i fully agree so we have the events of the past summer it became a, a a flashpoint for for organizations for sure let's take that flashpoint and and subdivide it you have the immediate things the things that happened last year in june july august september And either you were on top of it and made some moves or you kind of missed that window. But those reactions were very quick. It was more about communicating internally or externally that, listen, we care about these things, these things matter. The conversations I'm having now are deeper, more serious, and there is a distinct desire to make real progress, for at least two reasons. One is because, well, we should. (laughs) We should be making progress. We thought we made progress before, and I'll describe how that plays out in a bit. And the second is because there's acute awareness that this is gonna happen again. And when it does, people will hold this company or this leadership to account Mm -hmm. for were we able to move the needle between last time and this. Has there been progress? And the answer must be yes. So you can sort of see a few different driving functions. What I will say that is different from our perspective is that in the past, many times the conversation would be, well, there are a couple of moves that we can make here. We We can talk about unconscious bias, for instance, and drive that. And pretty quickly, there was, I think, a common sense of that, well, we did that and clearly that didn't really get us where we needed to go <laughs> so it's a start but it didn't get us to where we needed to go and what i'm seeing at c-suite levels for sure is an immense desire to make this into an overall part of business and i don't mm. believe that the knowledge is there or that the examples are there that's why we've been so busy because that's all we've been doing for the you know, past 10 years so how can i as a ceo speak with authenticity and genuineness about issues around diversity, equity, inclusion, but also making sure that I am speaking to the business success of the company that I'm running. I've never had more conversations about that than I have over the past six months. I mean, it's just overwhelming. Multiple times a week, I'm talking to some C-level executive that is looking to get an answer to that question.
0: I know that to your point, it's really about connecting it to the business which is when it sticks, right? When people who are in the business of business, what are what are two or three suggestions? What are two or three actions, if you will? Uh, how are people moving that from that heritage goal setting of we want to do better at this to really what, what we at they call goal getting? How are people yep. making that actually happen?
1: Three things that I think are standing out for me. Let me just take a strategic lens on it first. Number one, if you are finding yourself ending up in a conversation about, research and data, you will not win that game. There is enough research. There's tremendous amount of data. That's not gonna move the needle for your company. So that's my first point, okay? The second one is that what is going to move the needle is going to be experience. I believe that leaders make decisions based off a simple heuristic. Have what I'm trying to do now worked in the past or hasn't it? Whatever's worked in the past, I'm gonna do more of and whatever didn't, well, I'm gonna to try to stay away from that. It's not completely black or white, but it's a fairly simple way of understanding decision-making. What we need are leaders to get to experience the positive business benefits of a DEI. And then lastly, how do you get that? Trust it. Trust that diversity and inclusion will drive performance. And then look for it. You can look for it, but trust it. Because that is ultimately how we help our customers be successful. Here's a move that you can apply. Trust the move. And when they do that, they come back to us and say, this is magical. I I don't even understand how this played out. Like we have a move called unusual suspects. How do you bring in an unusual suspect to your meeting with your team? Not the usual suspects, but the unusual suspects. Yeah, 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 I've heard this. No, rigorously applied, understand how to do, and then, wow, this is magical. Did not expect this to happen. Then that becomes part of a team habit, a way they operate. All right, let's go to another move. Might have to do with micro teams. People hesitate to speak up in a larger group. Say a team, say you have like eight people on a Zoom call. Find time to break it out. Groups of twos or threes. Discuss it for two, three, four minutes within those smaller groups, then come together. And the inclusion level will sky rise. See mm-hmm. this. The data around this is exceptional. So those are some examples. And so Franz, I mean, one of the things that that
0: I love about the things you talk about, and maybe we're a little bit off script here, but a personal story is you just mentioned that really strikes me. We had the, the co-CEO of a very large retail grocery organization, great customer. The co-CEO happened to be joining us for, for this innovation event, wanted to talk about some new innovation we were doing. And he noticed, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. He came into the room. He was essentially the most powerful person in the room, if you will. He noticed that there was a person, it happened to be a woman who was not sitting at the table. There weren't enough seats at the table in a relatively small conference room he noticed that our seat was off in the back of the room and he said to her and I'll never he said to the group he said please take my seat at the table i grew up in the retail shopping world if you will he said very often back in the storerooms we would sit on carts fruit carts and so he had happened to have his suitcase there he put the handle down he sat on his suitcase <laughs> And said, this is where I am most comfortable. This is what we used to do back in the stores back in the early days. And I will never forget the impact of the most powerful person in that room notionally, who then invited someone and said, I want you to have my seat at the table to your point it set a tone for that meeting of collaboration it set a tone for that meeting of inclusion it invited everyone one simple thing and it was candidly one of the most powerful things i've seen in my business life of that bringing people's voices in and you know for me it created one of the most exciting innovative sessions i've ever been part of and i'm convinced that it was that act and he thought about louise he said what can i do to set a tone. Anyway, I I know we're we're really off script there on on that. that.
1: I love that story. And I think that what you really want is a team for where that starts becoming simply the way. Mm -hmm. Is somebody not talking at all? Why is that? Come on, join in the conversation. Because otherwise, like, Why are you invited? (laughs) And look, not everybody is equally comfortable sharing in in the same type of form. So over time, one has to think about that there's different types of ways of, of, of sharing this. Just one quick example about this is you're seeing much more focus now on neurodiversity. And people, for instance, that might be on the spectrum for Asperger's may not be as comfortable talking directly in a group live. But what I found fascinating, I was was talking to somebody who's really been laying a lot of attention into this. In the same meeting, somebody could obviously be calling in. I mean, now in COVID, everybody's calling in. But even as we get out of that, why couldn't somebody with that type of background and neurodiversity go to another office and call in or work from home and call in? And we've seen this during COVID that this environment has made it possible for other types of people with other types of neurodiversity to be engaging in a more fruitful way.
0: I know you and I could talk about this for hours and hours and I love listening to you on this, but I think that power for me, it comes back to our opening discussion on Louise. Are we thinking about that, Louise? Are we thinking about what's the situation for that person and how can we create a space where they feel welcomed, where they feel belong, where they feel like they that we've invited them to have a seat at that table Well, thank you so much. I mean, first of all, thank you for spending some time with us today. Thanks for attending our event earlier. But thank you for the incredible leadership, the inspiration, the energy, the insights that you've been sharing with your customers, with community for so long. We're so incredibly grateful.
1: Hey, thank you, Greg. And thank you for providing such a great platform for these topics and issues as you and as Workday. I mean, this has been great.
0: So, friends, I know that I need to let you go. I want to thank Franz Johansson, CEO of the Medici Group, for joining us today on this Workday podcast and for sharing his perspectives on the importance of diversity and inclusion. Thanks so much and have a great Workday.